1: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum ten dollars per order. Additional terms apply. hd H
2: D W O G L H D three Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This yes. is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the Drive at
1: 5:30 minutes of non-stop talk with
2: Rich Zioli.
3: Menendez says, uh, There's no there, there, so, because I'm a Latino, they're targeting me, I'm an innocent man, blah, blah, blah. Bad polling news for Joe Biden, and uh, yes, it's true. The United States made a lot of mistakes during COVID, other countries in the world, not so much. Will we learn? Welcome back. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. A lot to chat about today on the show. There's a a good ruling out of California by a federal judge who said California's 10 round magazine limit is unconstitutional. Again, that's right. Again, there is no American tradition of limiting ammunition capacity, said U.S. District Judge Roger Benitez calling the state's cap on ammunition unconstitutional, arbitrary, capricious, and extreme. Last year in the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association v. Bruin, the U.S. Supreme Court overturned the state's restrictions on public possession of handguns for self-defense. A week later, the high court vacated four appeals court decisions upholding state gun control laws and remanded the cases for further consideration in light of Bruin. One of those cases, Duncan v. Bonta, involved California's ban on magazines that hold more than 10 rounds, which a federal judge deemed unconstitutional in a decision published Friday. Quote, there is no American history or tradition of regulating firearms based on the number of rounds they can shoot or of regulating the amount of ammunition they can be kept and carried. Because the state did not succeed in justifying its sweeping ban and dispossession mandate with a relatively similar historical analog, the limit is hereby declared to be unconstitutional in its entirety and shall be enjoined. The judge, Roger Benitez, stayed his injunction for 10 days, allowing California time to challenge his decision. This is not the first time that Benitez has concluded that California's restrictions on magazine Capacity is inconsistent with the Second Amendment. In 2017, at an earlier stage of the case, then known as Duncan v. Becerra, Benitez issued a preliminary injunction against Proposition 63, that's a 2016 ballot initiative, that prohibited possession of what California calls large-capacity magazines. That initiative expanded a 2000 law that already prohibited the manufacture, importation, and distribution of large-capacity magazines which previously had allowed continued possession of magazines acquired prior to the ban. In that decision, the judge said, California's law prohibiting acquisition and possession of magazines able to hold any more than 10 rounds places a severe restriction on the core right of self-defense of the home, such that it amounts to a destruction of the right and is unconstitutional under any level of scrutiny. That initial decision back in 2000 or 20, I guess it was 2016, uh, initially was upheld by a three-judge panel of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit, but was reversed in a 2021 en banc decision, which is the ruling that the Supreme Court vacated last year. The Ninth Circuit responded by sending the case back to the judge, and this time around, the plaintiffs have an even stronger case. Because since that time, The Bruin decision came out. Laws that regulate conduct covered by the plain text of the Second Amendment must be consistent with this nation's historical tradition of firearm regulation. The state, which requested and received extra time to study the historical record, produced a list of 316 laws covering 550 years from 1383 to 1933. However, many of those laws were not relevant. In assessing the original public understanding of the right to keep and bear arms, a judge says, because they were enacted either before 1791, when the Second Amendment was ratified, or long after 1868, when the 14th Amendment required states to respect that right. And nearly all of the rest concern matters far afield from a restriction on magazine capacity, such as the manner in which guns could be carried or used." Matt DeSantis, do you remember the fourteen oh seven decision in uh, Gutierrez v, uh, v. v. the Moors
0: or I, the Moops? No, uh, no, I don't. I don't recall that one.
3: How about the uh, let's see, thirteen eighty three to nineteen thirty three? How about the thirteen ninety six case of uh, Sch- Schlimpe versus uh, U.S. gun manufacturers?
0: Oh, who doesn't know that? That one? was a big one. Yeah, that one. Okay, that yeah, one was now, huge. Now you're talking.
3: Yeah. Uh, do you remember the time the guy sued that one guy because he poured hot oil on him as he was trying to breach the castle walls in 1412? <laughs> it's a classic. It's a classic. And the court held that you have the right to pour boiling water on people and boiling la- tar. one believe. of my
0: favorite decisions, It's a big actually, one, yeah. Do you
3: remember the famous case in uh, 1462 when a guy got beheaded and his wife sued and said he can't behead people? And the court was like, sure you can. <laughs> Kiss my ass. Basically what the court said. I love the arrogance of California. They went back to 1383 and they're like, here's laws we found from 1383 to 1933. And the judge goes, you know, I'm going to stop you right there. Going to toss out anything prior to 1791 because we weren't a freaking country back then. We don't really care what they did in France (laughs) in the 14th century. Wait, so the century would always be the one. So the 14th century would be the 1500s, right? We're always behind. Is that right? This is the 21st. How do you do that again?
0: Uh, wait, wait. Say it again.
3: What, what century are we in? The 21st, 21st century? 21st, yeah. yeah. So the 14th century would be
0: the... The, the 1400s would be the 15th century. Thank you. That's yes. what I meant.
3: Yeah. Because the 15th century was, there was a lot that happened back then in, in terms of court precedent. A whole lot. For example, do you know that there was a rule back then called Prima Nocta? Which is the right of the king to take a bride on their wedding night. And also for the king to steal all the ammunition in the house. They actually brought that to the judge and was like, listen, your honor. <laughs> here in 1406, after Primanocta, when the king actually went there with the wife, he uh, then turned around and said, and by the way, ammunition is all illegal. So we submit that as one of the laws. And the judge said, you give me Primanocta? Really? I saw Braveheart. 1383. I can we can we get our hands on some of those laws that the that California turned around from 1383? Because that was I think we call it the dark ages back then, right? That's medieval times. Medieval right? times, yeah. yeah. Uh, one case uh, dealt with a man who uh, was uh, he wasn't able to use a firearm because he lost his arms. One of those things you twirl around with all the spikes on it, and it hit his. And they, it took it, chopped his arms off. What do you call those things? Is that a mace? Is that, you like a big ball with like irons on it, right? You know, you twirl it and you smash somebody. That's That's what they did back then. Those should make a comeback. I feel like those are pretty effective. I think I saw one on Market Street today coming into (laughs) work, by the way. (laughs) When asked to identify the best historic analog to its sweeping prohibition on large capacity magazines, Benita says California cited a 1784 New York City law that imposed a 28-pound limit on the amount of gunpowder That could be stored in a building. (laughs) But (laughs) judge said, I'm going to stop you right there. That had nothing to do with gun violence. Rather, it was a fire safety regulation. The same was true of a 19th century law cited by California that prohibited Bostonians from leaving loaded, unattended firearms in buildings. That was a fire safety issue, not a gun violence issue. By 1868, California also noted a dozen or so states had laws that prohibited the carrying of concealed pistols. The concealed carry laws did not prohibit either keeping pistols for all lawful purposes or carrying all guns openly, the judge notes, and none included long guns or ammunition containers in their restrictions. Pocket pistols were entirely lawful to keep and use at home for self-defense. Prohibiting the concealed carrying of a pistol was constitutionally permissible only when a citizen could freely keep and carry the same gun openly. By contrast, the judge said, today's large capacity magazine ban prohibits carrying magazines in any manner and even more restrictively prohibits simple possession. Other laws that California presented as analogous to its large capacity magazine ban included restrictions on bladed weapons, which are obviously not examples of firearm regulations since they are bladed. And bans on trap guns, which applied not to a particular kind of firearm, but to the practice of setting them to go off as a precaution against intruders. You know, like a booby trap, like in Goonies. They literally played that clip in Goonies for the judge. And like, you see, your your honor, booby traps. What I said, booby traps. One might object that detachable magazines are a relatively recent technological development, so it is not reasonable to demand close historical analogs from the 18th or 19th century. But the judge notes that the lever action repeating Henry and Winchester rifles popular at the time of the 14th Amendment were already dramatic technological advancements in firearms. Those popular lever action rifles had large tubular magazines. That held a lot of ammunition and could be fired multiple times in succession, accurately and quickly, the judge wrote. Yet there are no state prohibitions on possession or manufacture of these lever action rifles in the state's law list. Although detachable magazines were invented in the late 19th century, the judge says the first restriction on them was not enacted until 1990. When New Jersey imposed a 15 round limit later reduced to 10 rounds, even today, such limits are unusual. Our federal government and most states impose no limit. And in the states where limits are imposed, there is no consensus about the appropriate cutoff. Rules range from New York's defunct seven-round limit, which was ruled unconstitutional, to Delaware's 17-round cap. In short, the judge says, there is no American tradition of limiting ammunition capacity, and the 10-round limit has no historical pedigree. He calls it arbitrary, capricious, and extreme. Given the difficulty of showing that California's 10-round limit is consistent with this nation's historical tradition of firearm regulation, the state falls back in a policy argument that purports to weigh the benefit of large-capacity magazines in self-defense against the danger they pose in the hands of mass murderers. In the past half-century, California Attorney General Bob Bonta said in explaining his plan to appeal the ruling, large-capacity magazines have been used in about three-quarters of gun massacres with 10 or more deaths, and in 100% of gun massacres with 20 or more deaths. One problem, though, is that Bruin expressly rules out such an interest-balancing approach. Another problem, California implicitly concedes that large-capacity magazines can be useful for self-defense. Its ban exempts current and former law enforcement officers, a provision that would be puzzling if magazines that can hold more than 10 rounds had no legitimate use. Furthermore, California's argument that the need to switch magazines can have life or death consequences is also undermined by the fact uh, that they are used by many people in law enforcement and also in the military as well. It's a very good ruling by the judge, and um, I say good for him for mocking the state of California for bringing laws from the 1300s to the court (laughs) and saying this. This is the historical context that we're using to argue that this ban is constitutional. 855 839 1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli if you'd like to weigh in. Um, a <clears throat> couple other things, too, I wanted to mention. You know, Gavin Newsom vetoed a bill on Friday. Speaking of California, the nutbag state of, the, of California, that would have uh, said that parents would have to affirm their child's gender identity or expression in order to have custody of their children. In custody matters, you know, divorce, etc. And he vetoed that bill. Which is very unlike Gavin Newsom, but very much in the context of somebody who wants to run for president. So I think when you when you look at that as an example of Gavin Newsom wanting to show that he's this moderate guy, that's an example of the kind of thing that he wants to use. That's an example of what he wants to do and turn around and say, hey, look at me. I'm just a am just a moderate guy. I I don't support this crazy kookiness. But of course, we all know that he does. And this is just him just, you know, acting and being whatever he has to be. Just just going with the wind, as he often does, just going with the wind. Uh, And California wants to know your emissions as well. And in wrapping up the California segment of the program, it's relevant, though, to us here on the East Coast, because Phil Murphy, when he became king of New Jersey, he turned around and said, I want to make New Jersey the California of the East Coast. California wants to know your emissions, and Sacramento moves to enforce CO2 disclosures on companies nationwide if they do business in the state. So another way they're going to chase businesses out of California is to require them from sea to shining sea to report their CO2 emissions. They passed this legislation that would require companies with more than $1 billion in annual revenue that do business in the state to publicly disclose their CO2 emissions, which would include the emissions of their suppliers, customers, contractors, and even commuting workers. Companies could get dinged for the errors. So it's, it's again, it's just, it's more tyranny coming out of California. And that state is an example of how not to do things, which is why I look forward to the debate between him and DeSantis, even though DeSantis is going nowhere as he runs for president. I mean, he really isn't, you know, he really isn't. But Newsom's veto of that bill, I think, speaks a lot of what Newsom wants to do. And speaking of California, again, the homelessness crisis is so bad that a California district attorney is suing his own city for ignoring the homeless crisis. This is you can't make this up. A California district attorney named Theon Ho is determined to prevent the state capital, from becoming another San Francisco. So he's filing a lawsuit against the city of Sacramento for creating a public safety crisis and then ignoring it for years. The number of homeless in in Sacramento has increased by over 250% in the past seven years. There are more homeless people in Sacramento than 716,000 people, and Sacramento only has 528,000 people. There are more homeless people in Sacramento than San Francisco. San Francisco has 716,000 people, and Sacramento only has 528,000 people, and there's more. So he's suing his own city. This is how bad things are. He's suing his own city because of how bad the homeless crisis has gotten. I just can't. You really cannot make this up. You really cannot. Uh, Okay, so as we talk about all these things today, allow me to play a clip for you. This is uh, the media. They can't believe just how bad Joe Biden is doing in the polls. They can't believe it. ABC political director Rick Klein and Martha Raditz from ABC this week hyperventilating over this new poll showing Trump beating Biden bigly.
4: Oh, cut number seven is uh, sixteen. Uh, this is a question we asked. Should Biden be at the top of the ticket? Sixty-two percent of Democrats and Democrat-leaning independents said they think that someone else should be the presidential nominee, although uh, the party is deeply split on who that someone else should be. Uh, Martha, maybe the most startling number in our poll is this, the, the hypothetical matchup, a rematch of Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. Our poll with the, with the Washington Post pegging this at 51% to f- uh, for, for Donald Trump over Joe Biden. That is a nine-point edge. Now, that's only a couple of points difference from our last poll in May, but it is significantly different than most recent polls. It is an outlier compared to other polls we've seen recently. Our part at 538 put together an analysis for us they find an average of recent polls having this more in the one or two point range uh, with joe biden typically having the edge but whether you believe that or not uh, look there's a good chance that there's people just trying to send a message in the polling right now given the other frustration we've seen we know in this poll there's some uh, some quirks some oddities around the number of black voters and hispanic voters the, the younger voters who seem to be supporting donald trump and get this because it's pretty hard to believe but we ask people whether donald trump should be constitutionally uh, disqualified for running for office and among people who said yes, one in five, uh, about 18 percent, say they'd vote for Trump anyway. Uh,
3: they can't deal with that. I mean, that is just something they cannot deal with. They can't they can't handle it. They really can't. It's it, it, it's so bad for Biden that they're now trying to figure out a way that they can they can they can turn around and they can uh, put themselves into this 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 issue of saying, well, you know, it's just it, we just haven't felt the benefits yet. Little people to jig Mayor Pete was on ABC's this week with Martha Raditz trying to spin this for the administration. Cut eighteen. What do you say to the forty-four percent of Americans who say they are worse off now? than they were before Biden took office.
4: Well, look, uh, we all know the economic pressure that Americans have felt uh, when the president took office, the economy was flat on its back. But we're also getting extraordinary results. More than 13 million jobs created. That's more than any presidential term in American history. Stop it. Stop it.
3: Stop it. Right. This is the lie that they tell. So we came out of a pandemic and people started uh, hiring again because they were allowed to because the government let go of its grip on these companies in states like california new jersey pennsylvania you know and so these companies that were going out of business started to hire again because these blue states let them open up again they, they, they did not create all these jobs this is a lie it's exactly the same lie that biden tells about reducing the deficit he did not reduce a deficit this is another lie it's all about the covid money they stopped they 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 stop with the COVID emergency appropriations and they turn around and they use it as an accounting and say, see, we we cut spending. We cut the deficit. That's not true. These are gimmicks. Go ahead.
4: 13 million jobs created. That's more than any presidential term in American history. And yes, it takes a while for people to feel the full benefits of those results, just like it's going to take a while to build all of the infrastructure that we're now underway on with the president's generational infrastructure bill. But he got the bill done after president, after president, Congress, after Congress couldn't make it happen. He did. We're getting the results on the economy.
3: So how come people don't like him? If the results are there, what is the deal with these people that are just so ungrateful, huh? They're just so ungrateful. I played this earlier, but it's worth playing again. Steve Kornacki uh, over the weekend on Meet the Press. Stunned to find out that former President Donald Trump is in a dead heat. He's not a dead heat. He's beating Joe Biden. That's the bottom line, cut 15. Well,
1: Stephen, what's so stunning about this number? A lot's happened since June. We're talking two more indictments against former President Trump, so four in total, and the first GOP primary debate. And yet, Mr. Trump is just solidifying his lead with GOP voters.
2: And and Kristen, you know this from talking to Republican critics of Trump from rival campaigns. Everything you just explained, they thought would take him down a peg this summer. And instead, he has only moved up here. You can see the numbers saying the party needs a new leader. That has gone down. So for Donald Trump, there, nothing but good news. And it Oof. raises this question if Republicans go forward and nominate Trump again, this is what the rematch in our poll would look like right heat. now. There you go. A dead
3: heat. Look at that. A dead heat. Uh, okay, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not. Why I don't want to hear from Eric Swalwell. Why is Eric Swalwell on my cut
0: sheet, Matt Desantis? Oh, you know why Eric Swalwell. Wait, is before that, you do the bo- bo- before bo- 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 I engage bo- bo- you in
3: your immature attitude, let me just give out one of these. We haven't <sighs> done this one in a while. Social media. All right, so we we're talking about the laws of the 1300s, and um, Newman Price had a great one. Where is it now? Hang on, my just my Twitter just stupid froze. Hang on, one second. Hang on. <clears throat> he said um, they tried to limit the soldiers to one. Gallon bucket of hot tar to protect the castle li- livery, or <laughs> well, the judge slapped that ruling. Well, well done, that's, well played. That's very funny, very funny. So you won that. All right, now why is Eric Swalwell on my cut sheet, Matt Desantis? Oh, come on, Rich.
0: You know why Eric Swalwell.
3: Because you is that. have the emotional intelligence of a 10 year old and the humor of a seven year old. That's why. Now, do you want to play the new Eric Swalwell clip
0: first or my favorite <laughs> Swalwell classic? Why don't we remind the audience why we're having this conversation? Go ahead. Well, the reason I put Eric Swalwell on the cut sheet as frequently as I do is so that I have an excuse. To play this,
4: the evidence is uncontradicted that the president used taxpayer dollars to ask the Ukrainians to help him cheat an election. <laughs> and the complaint that I've heard from. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Come on, that's hilarious. Every single time, Henry, is it funny? It's not funny. I right? roll my eyes every, every time, time that name comes. He's the only one who laughs at that. That's not true. Because you're a child. The audience loves it, I think. Chris
2: Christie, who's got nothing going except I could be tougher than Trump. He's not tougher than anybody's
0: slub. <laughs> right, here's the new Eric Swalwell cut you. if you'd like to hear
4: it. Yes. You know, nature abhors a vacuum. And in a void, uh, Republicans, you know, will continue to tell lies uh, about President Biden. And, and that's in part why I, I think his approval rating is as low as it is, is that they tell these lies we don't punch back hard enough we play on our side of the field rather than theirs and then on the right wing uh media ecosystem it just reinforces those lies and then they use the low poll numbers to justify why they're gonna lean in uh even more
3: okay very good very good you see that was all for you it was a stupid clip it said nothing it was pointless and a waste of time it was all for you to
0: have your little fun i thought it was an interesting eric swalwell clip Wait, am I supposed to break now, Henry? Yeah, you. do Oh, yeah. Oh, because we have Dave McCormick. Yeah, that's the only Oh, why. okay. Right. Actually, no. You have a little bit of time. Yeah, I'm it not. Five thirty-five. Oh, yeah. Then take it all away. Oh, all right. Because it says
3: NJ died at five twenty-five.
0: Well, then let me ask
3: you this question. This is the the big pressing question on my on my uh, my mind today. It's this: Would you watch this new show that's coming to HBO Max? It's called Naked Attraction. All right. What's that? This is a this is a. Well, they have these like dating shows? Yeah. Singles eliminate potential dates by scrutinizing and critiquing their nude bodies. So everybody on the show is naked. (laughs) And it's called Naked Attraction. And in each episode, a single chooser critiques and eliminates six potential dates standing on a stage by scrutinizing their fully nude bodies, which are gradually revealed one part at a time. (laughs) Faces are revealed last. When only two potential dates remain, the chooser strips out of their own clothes, too, giving the remaining two contestants the opportunity to critique them. The final couple then go out on a date with their clothes on. This is going to be on HBO Max. Would you watch this?
0: Yeah, I think I'm going to skip
3: that. I think I'm going to skip this, right?
0: It's just going to be a lot of people crying.
3: Jerry Seinfeld said it best. He said, there's good naked and there's bad naked. This is bad naked. (laughs) Yes. This is
0: you know what I'm saying this is bad naked. Nobody wants to see you naked at, until this is bad. I'm watching the trailer right now but the whole thing is just a blur. They yeah. just blur out everything. They they're all like, blurred I, I, out. I don't even know why a trailer exists. You can't you can't even see what's going on. Leave some things to the
3: imagination people. Come on. Somebody commented and said this is the craziest ass I've ever seen in my life. This is the truth that the world's ending, I think. This shows like this, you know. And it started in the UK. <laughs>
0: Well, it's crazy that someone came up with this, they pitched it, HBO's going for it, the green, like everything, all the steps it had to go through, and it's here. Yes. That's, that's you see wild that? to me. Sadly, I think this is going to be a hit. You do? Yeah. Uh, people go crazy for these dating shows, but there's so many of them now that there's basically nothing yeah. differentiating <laughs> Let's just one get from straight, the straight to the point. But now, yeah. with all this nudity, people are going to go crazy over this. I'm, I'm sure they've got a hit on their hands. And people are going to cry. Here's my dating show. It's called Psycho X, right?
3: Everybody has to explain how their ex is the craziest ex. (laughs) And uh, the winner of that gets to go on a date with somebody who's totally normal and sane. My crazy ex. And you could bring her on, you know what I mean? Or bring him on...
0: Total psycho. That could be an an awesome show. That's right. You just tell your crazy ex story. You should have kept that to yourself instead of sharing it on the air with millions of people. Seriously. Damn it. I did it again. You had a a better idea than the naked people. That's way way better than the naked show.
3: Damn it. My crazy ex and cocaine White House bears and I am on a roll.
0: (laughs) Stop talking. You're ruining your uh, your career. You could could be very wealthy. (laughs) Instead, I'm stuck in radio.
3: Which is just as good as being in the horse and carriage business back in 1925.
0: Those Model Ts will never catch on. Please. People love their horses. Yeah, they only make one color.
3: Come on. That's stupid. There's not even a roof. No. All right. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Dave McCormick's going to join me. He wants your vote to be the next United States Senator for Pennsylvania We'll give his uh, thoughts on where the race stands against the lesser Casey, Bob Casey Jr. But look, I'm telling you right now, this is the fall and the holidays are going to be here before you know it. You do not want to take shots the rest of your life just to lose weight. NJ Diet's typical results are twice as fast as weight loss injections without any of the side effects. Plus, you're going to learn proper portion control you're going to develop healthy eating habits and that's going to stay with you the rest of your life. In fact, by the end of NJ Diet's 40-day program, you will lose 20 to 40 plus pounds contractually guaranteed. You will lose the weight and keep it off the natural way. NJ Diet uses your hair, saliva, and blood work along with scans to personalize natural solutions and supplements that get your body into the fat burning zone. Then, NJ Diet uses your DNA info to help keep the weight off. Locations throughout the East Coast are available with live online video consultations. Don't take shots the rest of your life. Lose weight quickly, the natural way, with NJ Diet. Call 855-5NJ-DIET. That's 855-5NJ-DIET. Or schedule your consult today at NJDiet.com. That's NJDiet.com. You can do this and they can help. And with NJ Diet's contractually guaranteed program, you can lose the weight for good.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
1: You have 47 new voicemails.
2: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. mobilecom The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app.
3: All right. It is uh, Monday, September 25th. Before you know it, though, you're going to be voting in the primary election in Pennsylvania and in the general election. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Dave McCormick would like to be the next United States senator for Pennsylvania. He's running in the Republican primary, and uh, it's great to have him back on the show. Dave, how are you? Hey, Rich, how are you doing? Doing well. Congratulations on entering the race. Uh, We had all thought you were going to. A lot of people were hoping you would. So uh, congrats on on taking the step and uh, jumping back in.
2: Well, thanks. It you know, it's uh it's uh, it's uh, motivated by the fact that I think the country's headed in the wrong direction and uh you know, I ran in 2022 in the Republican primary for that reason. And if anything, things have gotten worse under the the failed leadership of of Joe Biden and uh Bob Casey's voted with him every step along the way. So, you know, for me this is a a great opportunity to hopefully serve my country again and uh it's really a a race between someone who's uh, Pennsylvania born and raised, a Pennsylvania success story against a, a guy who's been a career politician and a rubber stamp for, for Joe Biden.
3: Dave, when when you uh, got into the race last time, obviously it was a bitter primary. It doesn't look like you're going to have the same problem this time around. Uh, the party seems to be rallying around you. In, in fact, even, uh, the, you know, the, the former uh, gubernatorial nominee, Doug Mastriano has come out and said that he thinks that you'd be a great candidate as well. So I think that that's a, a, probably a very good sign. I know the Republican Party is eager to avoid a, a bitter a bitter primary fight.
2: Well, listen, I, I, I've been really gratified by the support. It's you know, Our entire congressional delegation uh, has endorsed me, everybody from Brian Fitzpatrick, who's uh, in Bucks County, to um, Scott Perry. So I've got, and Mike Kelly, I've got support across the Republican Party there, and, and as you said, Senator Mastriano has has been a very encouraging and he and I've got to know each other. I've got a lot of admiration for, for his service. And uh, you know, this is necessary because the one thing we all agree on in the Republican party in Pennsylvania is we got to beat Bob Casey. And um, it's, it's a, a state, a Commonwealth that has become more and more Republican. And yet our representation is more democratic than ever. And you've got in Bob Casey and John Fetterman, You know, two senators that are absolutely towing the progressive line and supporting these terrible policies of Joe Biden that are leading to our open borders, the fentanyl crisis in Pennsylvania, record high inflation uh, and attack on our domestic energy sector. So I think it's a great contrast. Uh, And so, you know, what I've said to people on the campaign trail already is if you want the status quo, if you want to continue the the failed policies of Joe Biden, vote for Bob Casey. But if you want somebody who's going to go to Washington as an independent voice and fight for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, and someone, frankly, and I know you feel this way, someone who believes America's best days lie ahead, then that's, those are the kind of people I'm trying to appeal to and, and get their vote.
3: Dave, tell us about your background. I mean, I, I know it, but, you know, for those that, uh, that are either new to the area or, or haven't been paying attention, I know you, you have an extensive military background. You served our country, uh, 82nd Airborne. Tell us all about it.
2: Yeah, well, I uh, was born in, uh, in Washington, Pennsylvania, right outside of Pittsburgh. But then, soon after I was born, my folks moved around a bit, and I ended up growing up in Bloomsburg, which is uh, about 30 miles south of, of Scranton. And uh, uh, we had a, a, a great uh, rural small town. My folks had a farm. We lived in the town, but they had a farm. And I grew up with the greatest, uh, you know, uh, American upbringing you could have. I played football and wrestled and hunted deer the first Monday after Thanksgiving, and uh, sports got me to West Point. And West Point uh, really opened my eyes to the world. I got a chance to serve in the 82nd Airborne Division. We went to Iraq um, in the first Gulf War. Uh, I had an opportunity to then come back to Pennsylvania and and run and lead a company called Free Markets, which created hundreds of jobs in Pennsylvania. had the opportunity to serve uh, in government. Working for uh, President Bush in the National Security Council and in the Treasury, and then I had the opportunity to, you know, go and, and lead one of the great investment firms in the world, uh, which was uh, Bridgewater. And uh, even while at Bridgewater, which was not in Pennsylvania, I uh, kept a family farm, and Pennsylvania was home. So for me, I've had the kind of uh, American dream that I want all Pennsylvania kids that kind of opportunity to be to be able to have. And this is a great opportunity to serve the country again after having done so in the military and having done so in the government.
3: I'm going to play a clip of uh, Bob Casey Jr. on Meet the Press a few years back. Take a listen.
4: And I think, Tim, when you have two politicians in Washington that agree 98 percent of the time, one of them is really not necessary. We could have we could have a machine have that kind of votes. We need someone who's going to be truly independent, who has the character and the integrity to stand up uh, to his party and his president.
3: Now, uh, Dave McCormick, I don't know if he's talking about John Fetterman or Joe Biden or both, but it's certainly Bob Casey seems to get along with all these people and thinks exactly the same way.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a, great, uh, that's a great quote. And it really makes, makes my case, which is, you know, the country is really at a crossroads. And these you know, policies of Joe Biden ha- have truly taken us in a direction where most Americans feel like the country is headed in the wrong way. And most uh, Americans and most Pennsylvanians think that their kids are not going to have the opportunities that they had. So, in other words, the American dream is, is, is slipping away. And every step along the way, uh, Bob Casey has been a rubber stamp for those policies, whether it's student loan forgiveness or whether it's, you know, the huge uh, uh, inflation creation act, as I like to call it, which was a, a big corporate welfare, uh, pork belly, build the biggest uh, corporate giveaway in history, or whether it's the attack on our energy sector, which has driven up uh, the prices of gas uh, and really put our domestic energy sector in Pennsylvania, natural gas, a fracking industry uh, at risk. So it's one of those things where you have a president that's taken the country in the wrong direction, and, and most Americans and most Pennsylvanians feel that way, and you have a senator who has been the opposite of an independent voice. He has voted time and again with those failed policies of, uh, of Joe Biden. And, and in his career of 17 years, he's not had really any significant legislation. So it's one of those things where you got a, a senator from Pennsylvania who's punching well below his weight for one of the most important commonwealths in our great country, the fifth largest economy and a huge, uh, important battleground state. Now, uh, Dave,
3: when you think about some of the issues that are facing the country right now, obviously energy is, is a huge one, uh, the war in Ukraine, uh, the government shutdown that's looming. I mean, all, all of these things are, are, are what we hear about in the news every day. So this is a good chance if you want to give your thoughts on those. Go ahead.
2: Well, listen, I, the, the one thing I hear from Pennsylvanians over and over again is that uh, the economy, and, and in particular inflation, is just uh, having a huge burden on them. So uh, if you look at prices, you know, the, the Biden administration says inflation is going down. What's going down is the rate of growth of inflation. So prices are up roughly 20% under the, the Biden administration. And so for food and rent uh, and gas, uh, you know, people are really getting pressured and, and real income has not gone up. It's, it's, it's been flat or gone down. And so working families, and elders on a fixed income are really, really struggling. So that's, that's a, a key thing that uh, I'd want to address as a senator with sound economic policies. And, you know, based on my experience as a CEO and running companies and creating jobs, I, I know something about that. Uh, the second thing that I want to just highlight is, is weakness in the world. And the motivation last time for getting into the Senate, rate, the real Senate race, the real catalyst was Afghanistan. And the weakness that Joe Biden showed in Afghanistan, the incompetence, really sent a message to the world. And we're living now with that perception of weakness. We see it uh, with uh, Putin's uh, invasion of Ukraine. I think that was a direct result of the, the weakness Biden showed in Afghanistan, but also the weakness he showed on restricting exports of, uh, of natural gas from Russia and, and supporting the pipeline. Biden sent a message that uh, that uh, he wouldn't challenge, wouldn't test Putin, and, and that was one of the reasons Putin went into Ukraine the way he did. Um, we see it with Iran uh, and the idea of doing an, another deal with Iran, uh, another nuclear deal, when what we're really doing is empowering uh, the likelihood of a nuclear Iran. So I think this is a big deal, and I think uh, uh, that message is ultimately giving confidence to our greatest challenge right now, which is China and the threat that China opposes. So Um, These are the kinds of things that um, I would uh, say and fight for as the senator from Pennsylvania. We need uh, a leader uh, in our Senate uh, from Pennsylvania who's going to be a voice, a voice to push back on the on the terrible policies of Joe Biden and a voice that will stand independently and speak for Pennsylvanians, regardless of party. And Dave
3: McCormick, a lot of people are also saying we got to put America first. We have a border invasion going on here. We have to make sure that 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 the priorities of the American people become first and, and foremost the absolute priority here.
2: Yeah. And, you yeah, know, listen, I c- couldn't agree with that uh, more in the, in the sense that I've, I've been America first since my very first day at West Point as a plebe, where I went and, and took the oath of office and, uh, and then served in the military for nine years and, and, and learned about duty, honor and country. So America first is absolutely how I think about things now. Uh, as, as we talk about Ukraine, uh, Ukraine is uh, is a situation where I understand the, the growing concerns that people have about U.S. support for Ukraine when um, there's there's lots of fears that uh, that some of that uh, aid is being corrupted. There's fears of being uh, drawn into a, a further land war in uh, Europe for U.S. soldiers the idea that the allies of Japan and uh, Europeans are not paying their fair share. So uh, those that are have growing concerns about that, I share those concerns. I do think that Ukraine is of, of significant interest to America in the following sense. I think the further instability in Europe um, uh, cuts directly against American interests. But most important, I fear that if, uh, if we're not forceful in pushing back on Putin, that that will further... Uh, give confidence and enable uh, the Chinese. And so, listen, uh, uh, geopolitics is a messy business. Um, I think uh, I think the Biden administration has mishandled Ukraine. And uh, I think we need a strong leader in the White House, uh, a strong Republican leader uh, that can bring much more order and focus uh, to our efforts abroad.
3: What about in terms of, uh, of energy for Pennsylvania? There's been talk, you know, about a li- liquid natural gas uh, export area for the state. We could be we could be leading the world in this. Instead, we're actually empowering people like Putin. We're making them richer because the United States is not so, leading the world in energy exploration and uh,
2: <clears throat> excuse me, energy exports. It's 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 madness. The the uh, policies of the Biden administration. Um, we went from energy dominance under uh, under President Trump, where we were a net energy exporter, to becoming a net energy importer under the, the regulations and the policies of Joe Biden. And so in one fell swoop, um, Biden hurt our economy because he restricted uh, natural gas drilling. He uh, added regulations on pipelines. So it's very difficult for the, uh, f- uh, for the natural gas to be uh, sent from Pennsylvania to places around the Northeast. Uh, and that's the same problem across the country. So he hurt the economy. He hurt our national security because we went from being a net energy uh, exporter to a net energy importer. So we, we now um, are dependent on others in the world. We've lost our leverage. But here's the crazy thing. We, we hurt the environment under the policies of Joe Biden, because rather than, than exporting and being able to pump the, the clean natural gas that starts in places like Pennsylvania, we become more dependent on far dirtier sources uh, far carbon intensive sources of fuel that's imported from places like Nigeria and Saudi Arabia. So it's absolute madness. And, um, and it's one of the things that I think Pennsylvanians are starting to wake up to, that uh, this uh, environmental agenda uh, under Joe Biden isn't actually accomplishing its goals. It's leading to all sorts of uh, distortions in our economy. It's leading to distortions that are actually hurting the environment. And, uh, and it's not good for America.
3: Dave McCormick, thanks for joining me today. I'm sure of will be on the show many, many times between now and Election Day. Dave, where can people find you learn more about your campaign?
2: Yeah, you can find me at DaveMcCormickPA.com. And uh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Rich. And thanks for the opportunity. And uh, I'll see plenty of you in the, in the coming weeks. You bet. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and the Odyssey app.
3: I had a debate recently with, um, I mean, a friendly, funny debate, you know, fun, all in good fun, I should say, debate with Johnny Cook, my buddy on Twitter, over Ukraine and their past regarding the Nazis and also the commies. And, you know, the question, of course, of Ukraine's uh, grappling with the fact that you had many soldiers fighting in the SS, the elite German brutal division that committed acts of genocide, and the question of the brutal uh russian uh, possession of that country and the famines etc which then of course uh proves controversial in terms of looking back at the past of ukraine and saying well you know uh you had a chance to join the nazis and you chose to was that really the right move as you now watch for example justin trudeau honor an ss guy <laughs> With a rousing standing ovation, and the Ottawa Citizen reporting about this now, Canada needs to denounce the Ukrainian Nazi unit, not honor it, It says a University of Ottawa professor who uncovered veterans SS links. Poland has joined with Jewish groups in demanding an apology from the Canadian government after members of parliament gave a rousing standing ovation and honored a Ukrainian soldier who fought for one of the Nazis' notorious SS divisions. A University of Ottawa professor who helped uncover the past of a man who served in the SS in the Second World War says Canada should apologize. The honors on Friday for Yaroslav Hunka of North Bay, Ontario, have sparked anger on social media and calls for the resignation of House of Commons Speaker Anthony Roda. He fought with the Waffen-SS Galicia Division, also known as the SS-14th Waffen Division, and sometimes referred to as the 1st Ukrainian Division, a voluntary unit that was under the command of the Nazis. His service was highlighted by Rhoda during a visit to Parliament by Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. He is a Ukrainian hero, a Canadian hero, and we thank him for all his service, the speaker said in introducing him. Now, the speaker issued an apology Sunday, stating he alone is to blame for his remarks and the harm caused the Jewish community. He did not name Hunka in his statement. But Ian Kachanovsky, a Ukrainian-Canadian professor at the University of Ottawa, who is at the center of uncovering Hunca's past, said it's time for Canada to send a clear message denouncing the unit. Quote, the Canadian government should directly condemn the SS Galicia, not honor it. It is unbelievable this happened in the first place. Details about his service or the service are on a website honoring the division, including photos of the North Bay man in his Nazi uniform. Tweets about Hunka with the photos have been viewed on Twitter, formerly uh, more than three million times. U.S., British, Polish, and Australian media outlets have all reported on the controversy. Poland and Jewish groups have denounced the Waffen-SS Galicia Division for its role in killing civilians and involvement in massacres during the war. The division was also used by the Nazis to crush a national uprising in Slovakia, again prompting allegations of war crimes. We told Zaleski, Poland's ambassador to Canada, has called for Canada to formally apologize for honoring this unit. Katachinovsky said members of parliament should have realized what was happening as soon as Rhoda introduced Honka as a Ukrainian-Canadian war veteran from the Second World War who fought for Ukrainian independence against the Russians. The Russians had allied with Canada, the U.S., Britain, and other nations to fight against the Nazis during the war. The Canadian government has not issued an apology, but has instead pointed to Rhoda's statement accepting blame. The division was formed in 1943, when Nazi Germany needed to shore up its forces as allied troops, including those from the United States, Canada, Britain, and Russia, started to gain the upper hand and turn the tide of the war. During its recruiting drive to entice Ukrainians into the ranks of the SS, the Nazis highlighted the need to destroy what they claimed was the Jewish-controlled Soviet forces. One recruiting poster featured an SS soldier fighting a caricature who had the Star of David on his arm. While 80,000 Ukrainians volunteered for service for the SS division and some 12,000 were selected, millions more Ukrainians fought for the Russian army against the Nazis. After the war, the International Military Tribunal declared the SS to be a criminal organization that included the units of the Waffen SS, such as the Galicia Division in Ukraine. In the 1980s, an examination of war criminals in Canada found there were more than 600 former members of the SS Galicia division still living in Canada. We'll have more on this for you in the six o'clock hour, along with Biden's horrible poll numbers and uh, Russian oligarchs yachts being seized, and you're picking up the tab for them. Listen, September is an excellent time to purchase or lease a new Volvo for my friends at Cherry Hill Volvo. They always have an incredible inventory of aggressively priced Volvos, but right now, you can save even more when you take advantage of Vavo financing. How about 2500 bucks in cash bonuses when you lease or purchase a new XC40 or XC90 from Cherry Hill Vavo with Vavo financing? And if you're a Costco member, you can save even more. Purchase a certified 2020, 2021 or 2022 XC40, XC60 or XC90 and receive an additional 1500 bucks off. Just as important as the best pricing is the highest quality service. And on that, no one can match Cherry Hill Vavo. They always work hard to provide the exceptional luxury experience you deserve. It's why I chose and continue to choose Cherry Hill Vavo. I love my Vavo and you're going to love yours too. And Cherry Hill Vavo is the region's most accessible Vavo dealership right over, right over the bridge and Cherry Hill, New Jersey, right on Route 70. So what are you waiting for? Go see them today for the incredible financing and the incredible experience that you deserve. Judith, Yosef, and the entire team look forward to meeting you. Cherry Hill Volvo is where relationships really do matter at Cherry Hill Volvo.
2: Rich Zoli, weekday afternoons, 3-7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app.